Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. So anyway, we're thankful that you're here. Last week I was dealing with sickness. Yesterday I got chewed up by a pack of bulldogs. Y'all know I'm a volunteer fan. Got chewed up by a pack of wild Georgia Bulldogs. Rightly so. You know what's bad? After the game, I indulged in a half a gallon of Southern Comfort. (laughs) Some of you got your mind in a gutter. I'm talking about eggnog, not Southern Comfort whiskey. Come on, people. Golly. But anyway, I'm so glad to be able to be here today. And before I jump in in this brand new series that we're doing called Truth Over Trends, <clears throat> those of you know that, that I love my grandkids and because I have the platform, I get to brag on them. But anyway, this first one here, born a couple of weeks ago, this right here is River James. This is Lily and Cody Freeman's fourth son. He's doing good, doing good. We're going to see him this week over in Missouri, Cody and Lily, they pastor a church in Missouri. And then uh, this week on, uh, I think it was a second this week, on November 2nd, here, Lily, uh, um, Chloe and Jared Pettigo had their third child, and this is Jonas Young. Y'all give him some love, all right? So anyway, and uh, what I'm going to try to do, I don't know if I'll get to or not, but I'm going to try to get uh, my three son-in-laws and my three daughters together around Christmas for a time management seminar. Now, I love my grandkids, but I ain't sure they understand the time they put into having them is what they, what's going to be the outcome of this thing. You know what I'm saying? Got 10 now, you know? So anyway, go look at that. But that's a whole other story for another day. Hey, I'm so glad you are here. You could, you could not pick a better day to be here, especially over the next few weeks, because I'm starting a brand new series today called Truth Over Trends. The three greatest gifts, three of the greatest gifts that God gave us, other than His Son, number one— He gave us time, he gave us talents, and he gave us treasures. And that is a blessing that God would give those beautiful gifts to us. And and the thing about trends have abated the truth. You say, what do you mean? Well, a lot of people say, well, I'm just busy. I don't have any time. A lot of people say, you know what? (laughs) I've got these talents and I get to use them for me. Or there's other people that have this mindset, man, I worked hard for those treasures, and I'll dole them out where I deem necessary. Let truth, not trends, shape your heart's pursuit. Let me say that again. Let truth, God's truth, not trends, shape your heart's pursuit. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, we live in a world that's set on fads that fade. That's the truth. So, let's let the truth of God and these gifts He's given to us speak louder than the culture around you. And if you will, you have not yet to be able to see the great blessings God has bestowed on your life through His truth about these three gifts. We'll talk over these few weeks that he gives you. So, in honor of God's Word, I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to read this one particular verse, and then I'll let you sit back down again. We won't play musical chairs anymore, all right? 
So here's what I want you to do. In John's Gospel, chapter 2 and verse 17, I want you to read this, if you can, audibly out loud. Here's how it goes. Let's go. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Heavenly Father, anoint this word for your glory and your honor and touch our hearts, God, that we become everything you created us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone says? All right. You can be seated. So, I have a question. When we read this verse from John's Gospel, how many of you here, on the sound of my voice, you really do want to please God? Raise your hand. Right now, you really do want, you know what, I believe that about every one of you. You know why I believe that about every one of you? Because you came today. You didn't lay in bed. You didn't say, I'm going to watch it on, the, I'm going to watch it on my iPhone. I'm going to get my Jesus on online. You decided you were going to be here in the house today. And if you're watching online, man, these people would love to meet you if you're within driving distance. Give them some love that watches online. We're glad to leverage technology. Very thankful to do that. But we have people that watch us all over the world, so we're so thankful that we can leverage technology to be able to do that. But it's up to me and to you what we do with our time, what we do with our talents, what we do with our treasures that God gives us to be able to use those to bring Him glory and to bring Him honor through that span of time He gives us in our lives. See, here's what I want you to know. I hope you understand. It's not about the days of your life. But it's about the life that you put into the days that God gives you. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I hope you understand what I'm trying to say to you. See, in our Western culture, many, if not all, basically seem to feel that there's not enough time in a given day to get done what you want to get done. How many of you have ever felt like that? I just can't get it all done in my life. I think all of us have been there sometimes. I can, I can identify that with you. And there's even a global marketing research firm that, that said in a study that they said that 64% of Americans say that they can't get it all done in a given day. But So let's talk about the truth about time. So what do you mean? As of September 2022, there are 7.9 billion people on the face of this earth. So when it comes to the time allotment, that gift that God gives us, it does not matter the ethnicity of your life. It doesn't matter which country that you're in. It doesn't matter if you're a billionaire or a beggar, or you're somewhere in between in that socioeconomic status. It is a gift that God gives us 1,440 minutes a day, 24 hours a day. It gives 168 hours a week. gives us that 12 months. It is a gift from God Almighty that's equally distributed to humanity. Do you understand what I'm saying? Say yes. So therefore, it's not a shortage of time. It's a problem with priorities. That's where it's at. And I think Americans are really bad about getting out of whack when it comes to the time that God has allotted to them. What will you do with the gift of time that God has given you to please Him? What are you going to do with it? You got to make a decision. Because if you don't make a decision, it's making a decision because you're living in indecision. I'm not going to say that again. That's the last time I'm saying it, okay? You got to decide to stop wasting time and start investing time. That's what's so important. How many of you have ever had someone before waste your time? Raise your hand. I think, well, I mean, I have sat down with people before. It wasn't none of y'all, but anyway. <laughs> I don't care what the way 
I have said, how many of you are like me though, seriously, in life, you have sat down with somebody in a meeting or somebody captivated your time that was a neighbor or a friend or a coworker, and you sat down and enabled it, and next thing you know, you finally got up from the table and you walked away and you said, what just happened there? That was such a waste of time. Felt like I just got cheated. I can't get that back. Some of you got friends like that. Some people you need to drop like a bad habit. They, they just suck the life out of you. Some of you got some bad habits you need to drop. Some of you might even have some hobbies you need to because it wastes time. There's nothing wrong with good habits. Nothing wrong with hobbies. As long as you engage those in the right way, you don't waste money, all the thing. But anyway, my point is when you think about it, God doesn't want us to waste time. And your greatest danger is letting the urgent crowd out that which is important, not only to us, but most of all to God. Let's take a look at this verse here, and I want you to really let it seep into your spirit. Psalm 39, verse 4. Lord, everybody say, Lord, look up. Remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me, he said twice, the psalmist says, remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You know the average person has about 25,500 days on earth, and that's it. And each day, one goes by, one goes by, one goes by. Is it my time that I've got, or is it God's time? You have to think in that measure because the clock is ticking. I don't know if you've ever Googled this before, but the world mortality clock. I don't know if you know this. Did you know that every 1.8 seconds a person dies? Did you know that 107 people in this world, they die every minute? Did you know that about 6,392 people in this world die every hour? Wow, that's a lot of people that's dying. Did you know that's about 153,000 plus people that die every day in the world that we walk in, that we live in? That's about 56 million people plus a year that die, that check out because the mortality clock stopped ticking for them. So why am I taking time to, to do this? This is something I've been praying about because I want you to have the best life God created for you to have. I want you to have the best life that God ordered your steps before you ever breathed your first breath. And it made me think about them two precious little boys, River and Jonas. I prayed for them before they come out of my daughter's bellies and now their lives. It's everybody. Gets the same amount of time. So what are we going to do with it? I think the grandest thing that we can do is to realize, number one, it's not ours. But how do we tweak that time to bring God glory? How do, how do we do that? First and foremost, you've got to take a good look at your personal life. Your personal life. Look at your personal life. What are you doing every single day with the 1,440 minutes that God gives you? 
What are, you, what are you doing with that? Are you planning time for personal development in your life? And you say, what do you mean, Pastor? What I'm talking about is, do you pray and seek God? God, help me to plan this life out. Help me to plan this day out. Help me to plan this week out. Are you looking at what's taking place in the next year? Are you thinking about what's going to take place in the next five years, if God gives you that? But it's in each moment that we pray and we seek God. And we read his precious word, and, and then you take time to be able to learn and grow so you can be the best Christian you can be, so you can be the best mom and dad, the best husband and wife, to be the best leader in your company, to be the best CEO, to be the best in your office, to be the best at the factory, to be the best running your business. If you're not reading, you're not leading. When it comes to leadership in your life, God has got you here for a purpose. You're not here just to take up space till you die and just exist. No, no, no. You are missing it if that's what happens. Paul was very clear in his first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 9 there. Look what it says. He says, so I run with purpose in every step. Purpose in every step. Purpose in every step. I'm not just going through the functions of life. No, I'm running with purpose in every step. He said, I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. So what do I do? In our lives, we need to take it serious and develop goals around the purpose of our lives. People think, well, Pastor, why would I set goals? It pleases God. Not just good goals, but godly goals in every facet of your life. Not, if you're not setting goals, you're not taking any risks. If you're not taking any risks, you don't need any faith. And you know what? It's impossible to please God without faith. He says, I discipline my body. So in other words, without discipline in my life or yours, we don't have any rhythm in life. We don't have any peace in life. A lack of discipline will keep you from right living. Did you hear what I said? A lack of discipline can keep you from right living. It's that important. What areas in your life is out of control because you have a lack of discipline? What areas of your life? Is it your health? Now, hey, I love drinking Southern Comfort eggnog. I have a half a gallon in my refrigerator. I have a half a gallon in my office over here. I didn't say I was proud of it. But I cannot drink eggnog. I am so thankful they only have it seasonal. Because if I had it year-round, I would be big as a Goodyear blimp. Just being honest with you, church. Hey, I loved Whataburger the other day. How many of you ate at Whataburger? Man, it's good. I ate their big chili cheeseburger the other day. Oh, my. How many of you had that chili cheeseburger? Raise your hand. I'm telling you what, man. That's the next thing to heaven. I'm telling you that. Uh, people don't want to be around me after that. But anyway, it's good stuff, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But anyway, you can't just do that. you got to take care of yourself. This is the body. This is the vessel for the Holy Spirit of God to dwell in. If you're not taking care of it, your health is going to run down. You need to do what you can do to exercise. You need what you do to eat right. Try to take that serious. So is your health out of function? How about your finances? You know what's wrong with America today? <laughs> they bring in this much, they spend this much. And there's a payday coming, all right. Because the average American family, for every dollar they make, you know how much they spend? A dollar twenty-five. Do the math. See what's going to happen. Well, how about when it comes to your relationships? Is your relationships out of control because you haven't put time into the relationships? Maybe it's got to do with something to do with your spouse. You got a marriage hanging on with threads, or what is it with your kids? Are you putting time into that? So, think about this. I want to share this with you. Here's some areas of life I really want you to think about. 
Think about this. To know and love God. What does that mean? What does that look like? To know and love God. If we're going to know and love God, do we put God first in everything? No, we do not. This is what you do with God right here. Follow me. God is to be the center of everything in your life. Everything stems from God. To know and to love God, everything stems from Him. The whole nine yards. That's why you set goals based on how much am I going to get to know God? How much am I going to love God? That way I can absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, trust God. I make a goal of how much time I'm going to spend with getting to know God. I'm going to make a goal to make sure that I read the Word of God. And the Word of God gets in my life where there's no room for sin and no room for things that are wrong. I'm going to spend time praying to God. I can't imagine leaving the house each day without praying to God and say, God, go with me so I don't choke that guy I work with in the name of Jesus. Right? Is that right? How many of you ever want to choke somebody before at work? Just say in the name of Jesus, it'll be all right. No, I'm just kidding. But that's life. That's what people. But not only that, you think about to become like Christ. What does that mean? To become like Christ, that's your character. You want to be, there's some people with some characters in here, but it ain't got nothing to do with Jesus. Okay? All right. Am I right? How many of you know somebody? Man, that sure are a character. How many of you know that person, Right? But my job is when I have make God the center of everything in my life, then I am to become to know Jesus. It's just like John, John the Baptist said this in John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 30. He said, I must, it said, the Lord must increase and I must decrease. Or he says, I, the Lord must become greater and greater and I, I should become less and less. But also, to use my life to help other people. That's what I'm ultimately do with time. I give time to God. He's the center. I give time to becoming like Jesus, the character. But when I'm going to give my life to help others, what is that? That's my contribution. My contribution in this life is to be able to be used of God and be able to be a blessing for God. That's what it's about, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Do you hate yourself? That's what we mean. By your actions, not tell, don't tell me your words. By your actions, do you really love yourself because you've been loving on other people? It's a good question for you to think about. And then, of course, it's to be able to share my story. What is that? Sharing my story is my communication. Jesus Christ, the greatest one that ever came, whenever you give your life to Jesus Christ, that is the greatest story, hands down, that you need to be sharing everywhere you go. So many times we tell a lot of stories, but it has nothing to do with what Jesus did to change our lives, to put our name in his book in heaven, and to be able to give us eternal life, but a great life now. It's so important that we tell that story. And when you become a Christ follower, it's the greatest story that you can ever tell. It's that Jesus came down the stairway of heaven. He lived among men. He came and he served. He was so much set about him. The books can't contain that which was written about him. It couldn't even contain it. And yet he went to the cross and he became the sinless sacrifice for my sins and yours. Stretched his arms out on a tree and died and then rose again on the third day. And whenever he comes into your life and that power that raised him to the grave comes into your life, you should always be wanting to tell somebody the difference that Jesus has made in your life. Can I get a witness, church? Come on now. Wow. So what do I need to do? I need to organize organize the time that God gives me around relationships. Organize it around relationships. I've got a to-do list. Got notes in my phone I make every week. But if I look at the list of the notes in my iPhone, they're not of equal value. You say, what do you mean? 
They're not of equal value. Most of you, what you do, you organize your to-do list or your time not around relationships, but around the urgent and that which is unfinished. The things that are urgent are not always important. It's just urgent. It just grabs your time, doesn't it? And the things that are unfinished should be, should, are these the things that I should be doing anyway? Does it really matter? God won't give you more than he gives you time to do it. Do you hear what I said? God will not give you things that he don't give you enough time to be able to do it. If you're doing something and you say, I just don't have time to do it, it means you're doing something that isn't God's will of your life or you're absolutely doing it wrong anyway. That's a fact. The difference between those who really make their lives count and those who don't, you know what it is? It's management. With the time God allots all of us in our lives. Proverbs 16 and 9, he says, we can make our plans, but it is the Lord who determines our steps that we make in life. It's the Lord that determines those. Not you, not me. It's the Lord. So God is a planner, and he planned creation of the world, and he planned you. He planned me. And when you plan, you're being like God. So you organize your life. You organize your agenda. You organize your time. You organize your schedule around relationships. You make plans counting on God to direct every step that you make, that you bring him glory, that you bring him honor. You are no longer wasting time. You are strategically investing time. That's your personal life. Now, what about your family? So, what do you mean? you got to schedule your family into your life because most people don't do it. They don't make it happen because they let everything else happen, the urgent and the unfinished. Look what Paul told Timothy, his first letter to him. He says, but those who, don't, who won't care for the relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true, true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. If you're not balancing your life that involves taking care of your family, then he says you're worse than somebody that don't even believe in God. He's not just talking about physical. That's where we get all messed up as American Christians that we think, well, I've got to take care of my family. I've I got to make sure that they've got food. I've got to make sure they've got clothing. I've got to make sure they've got a shelter over them. And yes, and that is all important. But here we're talking about most of all the spiritual aspect of life. What are you doing to, with your husband and wife? What are you doing to grow spiritually together? Do you read the Bible together? Do you hold hands and pray together? Think about that. It's so important in your life that you do that. How much time do you spend with your kids? Think about it. Do you pray with your kids? Do you read the Bible to your kids? They are gifts from God. Do you teach them that in their life they're to have full dependence upon God no matter what? It's so important. I want you to understand that. They are gifts to you. And just like those little gifts I showed you on the screen there that I prayed for before they ever come out of their mother's womb. This is something that's very important. And I want to tell you this because I love you. But yes, we think we've got to give them the key. We've got to give them all the designer clothes. We've got to make sure that we help them to be able to, to have all the activities that they can get into in their lives. We think we've got to make sure that they not only get a good high school education, they need to get a good college education. All that's good stuff. But if you get them into everything in the physical and you miss the spiritual, then you failed as a parent. 
You've got to help them to fall in love with Jesus. That whenever they leave your home and vacate your home, that when they go out in life, they look to Jesus for the guidance and the direction when life hits them between the eyes. You've got to help them to know that Jesus is Lord of their life. Jesus is Savior of their life. And if you don't do that as parents, then you failed. I've counseled with so many people in a quarter of a century, over a quarter of a century of ministry. And they wring their hands and their hearts are broken and where their kids are at. And I say, have you done these things like this as best you can? No, but we did this, this, and this. It always goes back to the physical. You follow what I'm saying? It always goes back to the physical. Physical don't matter. It's the supernatural God in our life living in a natural world. I don't know who this is for, but it's for somebody. One day they're going to leave your home. And if you did all the things you could to grow them spiritually, they're in God's hands. They're in great shape. You don't have to wring your hands if they don't make the right decision because you did what you could do to invest Jesus in their life. That's your family. What about your church family? You ever thought about that? Look what Paul said in Ephesians. And we, as we did the series of just here a while back, I read this verse, verse 19 in chapter 2. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. You cannot become all God wants you to be unless you are involved and committed to a local church family. If you don't want to get involved in this church and get involved and get committed to this church, that's just fine. I'd rather you be involved in a church as to be here and not be involved and committed to this church. That's how much I love you and I want God's best for you in your life. It's easy sometimes, a lot of times people, they just throw money to church, they not get involved or they give money to the church and think, I'm not going to give my time. Listen, God has you here for a reason, every one of you. Maybe even if it's your first day here, God brought you here for a particular reason. We're having a Next Steps luncheon right after this service on November 20th. If you're here and you're not involved and you're not committed, no matter if you've been here a long time or you just got here today, this is for you. My wife and I and some of our staff members would love to sit down with you and provide you lunch and for you and your children, and we'll take care of your children after that, and just spend some time together to talk about our vision, our values, what we believe, where we're going, and how that you can make a difference in a church body. But you've got to understand that being in a church body is important. There's a lot of people say, well, you don't have to be a Christian to be part of a church body. Yeah, I know that. You don't have to be, but you want to be if your heart's in the right place. It'd be like me saying... Hey, I love you, Nate, but I can't stand your wife, Beth. That would be horrible. That's your bride, right? That'd be like me and you saying, we love you, Jesus, but we can't stand your bride, the church. So you'd be part of the body, 1 Corinthians 12. Be part of the body. Be like this, if we took my liver out and I laid my liver on the front row right here, right now, how long would I live without the liver? About 24 to 48 hours. You would be dead. Done. Capiche. I have to have my liver, right? Well, it's kind of like it's just like a Christian separating itself from the body of Christ. It doesn't take long. It's going to be like that liver of mine physically. They're going to spiritually dry up and die. It's that important to be committed and be involved in a local body of believers called the church. Sign up. They got a QR code. I think they put it up there for the new um, steps luncheon, you know, for the next steps, I would like for you to come and be a part of it. If you don't do the QR code, that's fine. Just sign up on the back of the car, drop it in the offering when you leave. Love for you to be a part of that on November 20th. Please sign up. But also being a part of a group. You need a 2 a.m. friend. You can come over to next steps right after this service and sign up for a group. We'll get you plugged into a group. You know what a lot of people do? They'll come to a church for about six months and they leave and they say, well, I didn't get to know anybody. Whose fault's that? 
It's your fault, not our fault. If you don't make the effort to the vehicles that we give you to get involved and to be a part of groups. How about serve teams? You get to know people in serve teams. How much time are you giving to serve the God on a given week? Are you serving the local church? It matters because God gave you the time allotment. Are, is God, are you giving God time to be able to serve his church? I could go on and on and on. Is all your time ultimately focused on your benefit? That's what it boils down to. Do you faithfully attend church? It's so sad that I see people today, and they say, well, yeah, I, I just here recently, just last week, someone told me about it. I said, yeah, we, you know, we call freedom our home. We just don't go that much. It's like that liver over there. Dry up. You couldn't pray away a cold if you tried your best to pray all night because you get cold and you get indifferent, and that's what's sad. So I just want to challenge you to think about your attendance in church. You know, here, a lot of people, well, I'm, I stayed home, pastor, and I watched it online. Really? <laughs> That's cool. Online is for people that are sick. If you got the funk, stay home. <laughs> online is for people like you that may be checking it out for the first time to make sure I'm not handling snakes. Hello. <laughs> you know, online is for people that we have across the, na- across the world that watches our services online. Uganda, last service, people from Uganda watching our service. Let's give God praise for leverage technology. Is that awesome or what? We get to do that. There'll be times that you're traveling, and thank God we leverage technology. But man, getting in here together and being a part of the body of Christ is what it is all about. So you need that corporate feeding time with God so that together we can glorify God in that corporate worship for the God who blesses us, the God who gives us a heartbeat, the God who gives us the very breath that we breathe to get something on Sunday that's going to help me not to kill somebody on Monday. In the name of Jesus, right? But also my work. You got to tweak your time when it comes to work. I've never seen so many people in America that's running after the American dream, leaving Jesus behind. So, what do you mean, Pastor? So many people are just running wide open, spend so much time working. They don't schedule time with their family. It's about the next contract, the next project that I get. I need to get, climb the corporate ladder, I need to get the corner office. Nothing wrong with those things, but when you do it and you get out of balance, you look around and your family saying, where are they at? Where are they at? I was a terrible dad when we started this church for a little season of my time. I had a spiritual affair. When I quit a corporate job for us to start this church, I thought, man, I got all kinds of time to do ministry. So when we started church, I had an office in my home. I had an office in my home, and I spend 12 hours a day in there, 12, 14 hours a day. And I tell my wife, Shannon, I say, honey, please just keep the girls from knocking on the door while I'm in there. Next thing you know, I, th- I thought the church depended on me. Church didn't depend on me. God grows the church. And thank God for counseling and time together that I realized that, and I repented of that, and I moved from that. So it doesn't matter. One day, whenever you make all the stuff you can make with your work and you save all the money you can, they always say the one who dies with the most toys wins. Now the one who dies, dies. And everybody else argues and fights a lot of times over what you leave behind. Titus 3 and 4, look what it says. It says, our people have to learn to be diligent in their work so that all necessities are met, especially among the needy, and they don't end up with nothing to show for their lives. 
So you got to be self-supportive in what you're doing. Work and earn things. You need to be a person that's going to be an example. You need to help other people out. Get your priorities in line. Last thing is my world. It's our community. Paul told the Romans, he said, for we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. It's not just about being a church member. It's not just about being a family member. Not just about being married and having a marriage partner and, and a husband and wife and parents and a, be a professional. You're also a citizen in this world. How are you impacting the world around you for the glory of Almighty God? Are you being a positive impact or a negative impact? Are you a person that's going to be a pessimist or are you going to be an optimist? That's the question for your life. When you leave the world, when you leave this community... Will people notice it because of how you were giving back to the world had God had blessed you with that time that he gave you? What do you call a person who is successful in one of these areas of life that I've talked about here, but maybe a failure in others? If you're successful at work and you make all kinds of money, or, but you lose your health or you lose your family, you make no contribution to your church family, and you don't give anything back to your community, what does God call that kind of a person? A wasted life. The key is tweaking the time that God gives you while the clock is ticking. My schedule should always reflect my eternal values. Always. If something is really important to me, it's going to be in my calendar. If something is really important to me, it's going to be reflected in my calendar and in my checkbook register. God has so many promises for your life right now. And God has, has promised eternal life to every person that comes to his son and receives forgiveness of sin and is born again and have their name put in his book in heaven. So are you investing time or are you wasting time? The clock is ticking. It's time to seize the day and not to, not to think that you've got all kinds of time. That's the enemy's lie from the pits of hell. It's about investing our time, not good intentions, because you get no credit for good intentions. God has given each of us a certain number of days to live in this life, and God may or may not give you heads up of when your life and your time is up. So you make the most of the time that we have left. Our time belongs to God. It's a gift for Him, and it's for His glory. Listen, if Satan can't make you bad, Satan will make you busy. And if he can make you busy, he ends up making you ineffective in your life. The vision God has for our lives is to be rich toward God, not in the world's terms, but in heaven's terms, that we can do what we were designed to do in order to do before we were ever born, to be rich toward God in a place to say, God, I want as much of you as I can get, and I want my life to reflect your values. I want to invest in this world, and that's all that matters in my life. And God wants to fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, so that wherever I go, people cannot help but say, that person acts like a man I've heard of named Jesus. You have an opportunity. You cannot love people without investing time in people. You cannot love the church without investing your time and your talents and your treasures and 
in the local church. You, you cannot love God without carrying out His commandments and trying to live by His holy word. The psalmist prayed, he said, remind me, God, remind me that my days are numbered. And when we truly number our days, I promise you, we will all have a different outlook on life. Think about this. Think about, for instance, if you knew you only had 20, I'm not trying to be more, but I'm just wanting you to think. If you only had 24 hours from right now left to live, what would you do with that? Would you want to run out and say, man, I've, I've got to download this book. I've got to read it, man. It's very important that I read that book. Or would you be thinking, wow, you know, I'm going to run to the movie theater. That movie come out. I want to go see it. Or, man, let me get this. Let me get my phone here. There's a podcast I know. Just I want to hear that podcast. Or maybe I, I'm going to run back to the office. There's a project that's not done, and I know they can't do it without me. <laughs> or I'm going to run to get to my job, and, and I'm going to be able to get things set up better. <laughs> no, no, no. That would be ludicrous. Most of us is not all of us. And we want to spend our last 24 hours with our family and our closest friends. Most of all, we'd want to review our lives, not that we have a fear of dying, but are we truly ready for eternity in the presence of our God? See, reality is we don't know how much time we have in this life to give in service to God Almighty and to other people. So I want to ask you, how many of you have ever been like me and as a pastor, and trying my best to be an example to the flock and lead you all into a closer walk with the Lord. There's times that I want to say, God, would you, Jesus, would you just fix me? How many of you ever felt like that? Just God would just fix me. Just fix me. I need fixing, God. Yeah, I think we've all thought that. God wants to fix us. But do we allow him to fix us? That's the question. Do we allow him to fix us? Do we get ourselves in a surrender position to be fixed? Think about that. God wants us to invest our time that he gives us in this life to make a difference in the lives of those around us for his glory and honor. Think about letting the Lord fix you as you listen to this old hymnal called Fix Me, Jesus.
what would you do if tomorrow was the last day you knew you'd spend with maybe your mom and dad? What would you say to your child if you knew today was the last time you could spend any time together? How would you or what would you do different with your husband or with your wife if you knew next week was the last week you'd spend together with each other? It should never take a crisis for us to invest our love for God and our love for other people as Christ told us to do. Paul said this to the Ephesians, and I love the way it's written in the message. He said, so watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Make sure you understand what the master wants and I'll leave you with this last thought if you don't have time to do it right when are you ever going to have time to do it over stand with me Father, we praise you, we honor you today, and we thank you for the gift of time in our lives. We thank you that we each have the privilege to know and love you and make you the center of our lives. We thank you that we have the opportunity to become like your son, Christ, and have his character in our lives that others may see through our actions, not just our words. God, may we use the very time you've given us, God, to help others, God. Contribute to them and help them, God. In every facet, we have the opportunity. And God, may we tell the, the oldest story of all time of how Jesus came to this world, but yet most of all, how Jesus came into our lives. May we tell that grand story. saving our souls precious Jesus help us God how many of you here as we continue to pray God has touched your heart and he's asking you to tweak your time in some way shape form or fashion would you just give him glory and lift your hand across the auditorium all across God bless you thank you for your honesty I want to pray with you for strength as you pray to be able to make a difference in the time to invest what God has given you. Father, right now, as these are praying, bless them, God. Help them, God, Lord, to tweak the time you've given them in their personal life, God, whatever that is, or with their family, with their kids and their spouse, or God in their church family, being able to get involved and be committed and make a difference in it, God. God, may there be a light in their workplace that, see Jesus in them. They see a difference in God, in our world, in our community. God, help us, Father. 
live and die and we belong to you. So as our days are numbered, may we make them count. As we continue praying right now, one of the oldest lies that the devil still uses is that if you're not a Christian here today, you've never given your life to him, is that he will tell you you have plenty of time. But you don't have plenty of time because you don't know when your life's going to end. So if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, that's why you're here today, friend. If you want to be the best man or woman or husband, wife, or mom or dad, you want to be the best in your job, your career, a good neighbor, it begins with being like Jesus, and that helps in knowing Jesus in your heart, having your sins forgiven, and being led of his Holy Spirit. So as this time has come right now and, and Christians are praying, if you know that the devil's lied to you, don't listen to his lies. You know you need to give your heart to him. Just lift your hand real high and say, today I want to give my life to Jesus. I see those hands. Anyone else? Just lift your hand real high and say, I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time. I'm not going to wait any longer. Would you pray to him right where you're at and say, Lord, I'm not going to listen to the lies of the enemy any longer. I'm a sinner in need of you, my Savior. Please forgive me of my sins. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I believe you came for me, lived for me, and died for me, that sinless sacrifice that I might have life and have it to the full. So please forgive me of my sins. Save me, my life is yours. prayed that today. Give him glory right now and say thank you Jesus in your heart as he gives you the peace that passes all understanding and he will give you the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit to go with you from this point forward. If you gave your life to him today, come and see me over at Next Steps. I just want to have a, and just let me know I prayed that prayer. I got a special gift for you. Father, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the gift of time. Find us using it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. let's give our great God a wonderful <laughs> praise.